0: Hello oh, and welcome to Speak A Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I am broadcasting from WOUF Wolf Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you so much for joining me today if you haven't clicked subscribe or follow go ahead and do so come out with new episodes every single wednesday morning you are going to want to check them out and if you're an apple podcast user and you love what you're hearing go ahead and scroll down on my page click that five star review really helps the podcast grow a lot and of course i would greatly appreciate it now today on the show our first segment is going to be come together right now in dog training <laughs> yes, that's right. How do we come together and bring our training together? Yes, that's what we're going to talk about. Then comes a segment about trick and obedience training, a trick and obedience routine. Got some awesome, awesome tricks and commands for you that we're going to run through, teach you how to do. We're going to also do it on Instagram too. So be sure you follow me on Instagram right now at Speak a Dogcast. We're going to have videos running through all of these different tricks and how to bring this routine together. And for that matter, I wanna see your videos, your training with your dogs. Make sure you tag me and let me see how your training is going. Then we have the breed of the week followed by the listener Q&A. And if you guys have any questions for that listener Q&A, you can email me questions at speakadogcast.com. You can also email or rather message me on social media. Feel free to just comment on anything. You know, we've had some people doing that and it's been great. Uh, But yeah, send those dog training questions on over my way. I'd love to be able to help you out. Now we're going to get going with the show. But before we do, got to give you that trivia question. Today's trivia question is how far can a wolf smell its prey? Yes, how far away can a wolf smell its prey? I'll give you the answer to that question somewhere in the podcast today. So be sure you stick around, sit, stay, and enjoy the show. Next on Speak a Dogcast, come together right now in dog training. Yeah, I'm a Beatles fan too, you couldn't tell. I'm not going to sing it for you. But, you know, come together right now in your dog training. What what, what, what am I really talking about? I'm talking about consistency. Getting together, getting on the same page, maybe with a, a spouse or children or maybe just a roommate or maybe somebody that just comes over regularly and is involved with your dog a lot. Maybe a dog walker. Um, maybe it's just a mother-in-law who comes to let your dog out in the middle of the day while you're at work or something like that. And we've got to come together and get on the same page when it comes to training. I, look, even just recently, come to think of it, you know, I had a, I have a client who the in-laws were involved somewhat in the training process, just from the simple fact that they had the dog at their house a lot, they interact with them a lot, and... You know, that was just the straight up truth I was told. And it's great that the client recognized it. They said, Look, we're not going to train, we're not going to train or change my in laws. It's just not going to happen. So we have to try to choose and be particular on how we're going to go about the training. And they understood that. And so we tried to accommodate that with the understanding that maybe we don't want to get the in laws involved because they don't want to be involved. I mean, that's just the truth of it. They don't want to train, they want to do everything wrong. And unfortunately, reinforce undesired behaviors. Now, the cool thing in that scenario was that once we did start making awesome uh, progress with their dog, with the client's dog, the in-laws then saw that and went, wow, that's, that's kinda cool. And you could tell there was a little bit of like, ooh, how, do we, how, do, how, do, how can we do that? How can we kinda train, you know? <laughs> it's awesome when you see the results. Uh, maybe makes you think twice, and wanna change your behavior. So, uh, getting to it, getting to it. Consistency in training, getting everybody on board, uh, you know, the cool thing is, is this segment actually came influenced from one of my regular listeners. And I want to thank them directly. I kind of want to send out a big shout out. Thank you. Uh this all the way across the pond here, all the way over in the southern part of England. Ragula, you are awesome. I, I really, it's a bright light in my day when I can open up my Instagram and I see just an amazing message uh, from her and that she she loves the podcast and she's been taking the information and running with it and trying to work with her dog. And um, it's just, it's always nice. So thank you. Thank you for your kind words and everything you say. And and even more so, thank you that you're going out there and working with your dog. I love it. And, you know, so, so again, getting back to it, you know, the, the topic of today was you know, her question really came down to the fact that how does she continue, or rather, I guess, should she continue training her dog by herself mostly and, and trying to keep that consistency Or should she try to wrangle her husband into the mix who maybe isn't necessarily wanting to learn (laughs) how to do the training and maybe won't get on the same page? So that's the question. Is it better to keep the consistency in working and training by herself or should she try to wrangle her husband on board and hey, how do you do that, right? (laughs) We're we're stubborn creatures, aren't we, us men? Um, But uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a good question, a good topic because here's the reality of it and here's where we have to start with this conversation. The reality is your dog, when you bring a dog, when you bring a dog into your home, your dog's pack is, is you and anybody who lives there. There's no way to get around this. Okay, your dog is going to view anybody who lives there on a regular basis, anybody who's who's a part of their pack, they're going to view them as a part of their pack. Now, how they view them within that pack, aha. (laughs) That can be a little difficult. So yeah, it can be hard if you're providing one set of rules and information to your dog, and then you have another person within your pack providing a totally different set of rules and information to your dog. What it really starts off as is it becomes confusing. And so that's the point is. Your dog doesn't really care (laughs) whether somebody's going to be involved or not, whether they're going to be actively training or all that dog knows is this thing is a part of my life and a part of my pack. And they're going to take information from that person from and they're going to be influenced by them, no matter how active or inactive of a role they take in that dog's life. You know. I, and it's it's not to look. My my wife is an amazing woman. She's incredible with everything she does, and not only that, with her support with my business um, and what I do. And this is this is kind of a good thing to talk about and relate because my wife is not a professional dog trainer, guys. She's not. She's she's a CPA. She's an accountant, and you know, unfortunately for her, she lives in my office. <laughs> I work out of the house. We have dogs here all the time. And the rules in my home, even more so because it's a training environment, you know, the rules in my house, whether it be my own dog or a client dog, whether it's me or her, those rules have to stay the same and have to be consistent. And it's tough. It's tough for her because this isn't her job. This isn't what she does. Um, But my, you know, I love her so much and she's incredible that she, she really backs me up and supports me and is a part of that training process. Now, with that said, (laughs) my wife is not the professional. And there is definitely a difference. I see that difference in her influence, maybe not always the best influence. And I, you know, I'm not a slight to her at all. She does an amazing job, but she's not a professional, just to reiterate, right? She's She shouldn't be able to replicate the exact results I do. God, I hope not. Otherwise I'd be out of a job, uh, <laughs> you know? So kind of, you have to think of it. I, I kind of deal with that that same battle in, in some sort of way, uh, just from the sense that, you know, she's not here to train all my clients dogs. So she's going to influence. So, so it's kind of, it's an interesting topic and interesting thing to talk about because I can absolutely relate to it in a lot of ways. Now, my wife, luckily I'm so grateful. She does put in the effort. She wants to learn. Um, she takes any information I give to her and I'm, I'm, I'm it's awesome. You know, it really is. And I, I just, I can't say thank you enough for the amount of work and time and dedication that she puts in to my, my own dogs, our dogs, and my client dogs, which are also my dogs in a roundabout way. I kind of look at it. Um, anyway, so, you know, getting back to it here, uh, it, 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 took, it took me years <laughs> to get my wife... Uh, to the level she's at with training, right? So it's going to take some time for anybody who's new to it, anybody who doesn't have the knowledge and understanding, it's going to take time uh, to get them on board. Now, what I will say is if you can get your spouse seeing the progress that you have made already, seeing the results and, you know, being able to come to that realization of, wow, look at, look at the difference. I discovered that really helps, you know, that really helps when people can see that progress, um, and the, the results you get on the, on the, on the end of the work, it really can help. So if you can kind of show your spouse that, um, that's directly to you, you know, if you can show your spouse that that can help them maybe want to be more engaged and more involved. Um, but you know, then we get to the serious part of the conversation and the serious part of the conversation is when you bring a dog into your home, you know, like we've already established and said, you're a part of their pack. And so with that said, at the end of the day, I have to wag the finger at anybody who doesn't want to be involved with their dog's training. I have to. Look, I'm not saying you need to go out there and, and, and get involved in every dog sport and spend your weekends doing nothing but activities with your dog. That's not what I'm saying. Um, sure, it would be great, you know, but that, that's not the, that's, we don't have to do that to give our dogs a fulfilled, wonderful life. But, But when you bring that dog into your home, you are taking on a life. And in my opinion, you're taking on a responsibility to do everything in your power to give that dog, to give that animal a high quality of life. And it's not just feeding them plenty of food and giving them a comfy bed. It's also about giving them mental stimulation and fulfillment, making sure they have more than just comfort in their life, but they have happiness, fulfillment. I mean, come on, you know? Uh, I've given the comparison before, guys. I've said it before. Uh, Just a little side note. You know, if I were to say, hey, I'm going to pay you triple what your paycheck is right now, right? Or more than enough money. But all you're allowed to do is stay in your home, sit on your couch, and watch TV. Coronavirus has given us all a little magnifying glass into that life, hasn't it, guys? Real good for the first week or two when you're just relaxing at home and you can just stay in your pajamas. But it gets a little old after a little while. You need something more. You need to get something out of life. You need fulfillment. And it's no different for your dog. That's what we do to our dogs. More often than not, we don't think about it like that. But more often than not, that's what we end up doing to our dogs. Okay, so not to go too much off on a side note here, but they need fulfillment, they need stimulation, and it's on you as their pack to give them that. Okay, so again, to me, it is your responsibility as an owner, it's not just one owner, anybody in that house that's a part of that dog's life as their pack, it's your responsibility to be a part of that training and exercise process. Okay. Now again, everybody can figure out their role in the pack. Every, you know, humans have different roles in our, in our dog packs too. Uh, you know, not everybody's going to be walking the dog. If I, if we have an eight year old kid in the house and a hundred pound dog, no, the eight year old kid's not going to go, not going to be responsible for walking the dog. The adults will be right. But the eight year old dog might be able to feed the dog. An eight-year-old kid might be able to feed the dog, play with the dog, do other things to create that role and still establish himself as, as a source of information, as, as a leader in the pack, okay? So everybody has their role. I'm not saying everybody needs to have the same role in the pack, but what I am saying is everybody needs to contribute. Everybody needs to show that dog that they're in control, that people are the leaders here. Okay, so if I have one person in a household bringing it, and I mean bringing it, right, they're training, they're they're working on commands, they're working on walks, they're working on leash work, they're working on distractions, they're really going out there, uh, they're crate training, they're doing all these awesome things. And then the other owner gets home, right, and they just kind of go, well, I got to go out for 20 minutes, I'm just not going to put you in your crate, even though they're not ready to not be out of the crate. Well, I'm not really, I'm just going to feed you and not make you sit and stay. And eh, the walk, so what, and not will let you sniff it. All we're doing is telling that dog two opposite ends of the spectrum of pieces of information, and that's going to end up being very confusing for your dog. Okay? I see that a lot, unfortunately, in, in, in households where one person or maybe two people or three people really want to get on board with the training and create that consistency. But then there's just one little weak link in the fence, right? In the chain. One weak link that puts a hindrance in their training process. Okay. Look guys, dogs are creatures of habit and conditioning. We've talked about conditioning. We've talked about all this stuff and it's all what's strengthened and reinforced. And think about it this way. If we only strengthen good stuff, right? We only strengthen a dog, not pulling on a leash. We only strengthen when they're focusing. We only strengthen obedience, if you will. But then one other person comes in and just does literally the opposite That's, that's, uh, I mean, how else can you not see that that's going to throw the pattern off of conditioning? You're conditioning multiple different things and that's going to confuse the dog and screw everything up. There's just no other way to say it. So you have to be consistent in your training. When my wife feeds the dogs, she still puts them in a sit and stay every single time. If any of my dogs or any of the client dogs, if they get up and move from their spot, she goes right back and puts them right back where they were. Consistency. It's not hard. It's nothing crazy that we're doing over here, but it's consistency in our training. So even my wife, who's not the dog trainer, can still do something as simple as that. So when we have maybe a spouse who is not, or a person in the household, it doesn't have to be a spouse, it could be anybody. If we have a person in the household who's not on board with training, start with something small. Start with something as simple as feeding time, getting them to sit, getting them to stay, and then releasing the dog. If If you've already been working on this, it should be really easy for that person to jump on board. And that person might actually find that, hey, that was kind of cool. <laughs> I got the dog to sit and stay. Hey, today, I mean, what you'll end up finding is you'll get them to do, get your spouse to do it. And then about a week or two, and they're going to get really excited and tell you that, oh, I got him to sit and stay. And I walked away for five minutes and he didn't even move from his food. Because training is fun, guys. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. And it really enhances your bond with your dog. That's the other thing. Not only will they start like bragging about it, but they're going to they're start realizing and seeing that the dogs love it when you work with them, when you train them, when you create that bond. So start with something small to get them on board. Something as simple as a sit and stay before feeding time. Hey, how about playtime? Make it even more fun. Start with something like playtime. Okay, if you've taught your dog a leave it command, if you've taught your dog a drop it command or a stay, we can start incorporating those things into playtime. Because most, look, most people that don't want to like train the dog still want to be a part of the dog's life, right? (laughs) They still want to play with, they want to do all the fun stuff, but what they don't realize is training is fun. Training is a ton of fun, whether it be through playtime, leash work, sitting and staying for feeding, going out into public. And again, just like we talked, just like I was saying a couple minutes ago, teaching them to ignore distractions, um, going to the dog park, going to a craft show over the weekend and meeting other dogs. Um, There's all these things you can go out and do with your dog, but you can't do it if you don't train them. And the training part ends up being so much fun. I I mean, look, I made a career out of it. Um, (laughs) But that's my suggestion when you have somebody who's maybe a bit hesitant, start with one small thing like feeding or playtime. Incorporate some training into those. Feeding, it's gonna be a sit, stay, and release, and you can work it up to sometimes the dog waits for 30 seconds, sometimes they wait for five minutes, that kind of thing. That's that's how we train with feeding time, okay? And then with playtime, again, we can use a leave it, drop it, stay command. I can put my dog, I was actually just working on this with Violet earlier today. Uh, I put her in a sit and stay, And then I threw the tennis ball. She has to stay and wait until I release her. And then I go, all right, release her. And then she runs and chases after it. Okay. Enhancing playtime with mental stimulation is a great way to get a reluctant person (laughs) on board with training. Okay. Start with the fun stuff. That's kind of how I see it. Uh, Start with tricks, trick training. It's a lot of fun for your dog, good mental stimulation, and it's usually fun for the person who's reluctant. Once again, uh, but there's really all these great ways that you can get them on board slowly. Don't try to throw. Them, don't try to get them to go for the hour-long walk right away. I can tell you right now, it's just, it's not going to work. We're creatures of habit too, <laughs> and if the habit is resisting, if the habit is not working with the dog, then the worst thing you can do is try to is is, is try to give someone too much to start with, and especially a walk. Some people don't find the walks enjoyable when they first start. I don't know why. I think it's wonderful to go for a peaceful walk with my dog um, or dogs, should I say. Um, but uh, but that, that's just it. Set them up for success by starting slowly and be sneaky about it. <laughs> Nothing wrong with being sneaky about it. You know you know the person you're living with. You know how to kind of maybe <clears throat> use a little manipulation there. You can use a little positive reinforcement with them, right? Uh, think about the thing. If it's a kid especially. Guys, if your children are reluctant to get on board with training, the easiest way to get a kid to come together with the training is use positive reinforcement. Say, hey, we get to go do this thing you love to do if you go walk the dog for an hour. I mean, I'm just coming spitballing here, right? Um, Think of ways to motivate your kids and use reinforcement for them in order to get them to interact and work with your dogs. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with rewarding your kids for, uh, you know, interacting in a healthy way with their dogs, okay? Spouses, I got news for you. I know you can motivate your spouse. There's quite a few different ways. Uh, (laughs) Not a people podcast. We're not going down that road today. Going to be a little kid friendly. Uh, But hey, man, use what you got, (laughs) We've talked about it how many times on this podcast. I have three ways to motivate an animal, food, affection, and sex drive. You can actually use sex drive with human beings. (laughs) All right. I I kid, or do I? Um, But, you know, it it starts slowly. But at the, look, you know, we've gone down the different ways we can get the spouses involved. But to me, guys, to me at the end of the day, it really comes down to this. Just repeat it again. You brought a dog into your household. You have, uh, you've done it. And if you've done it, everybody in that household is a part of your dog's pack. And with that, your dog is going to look at that person for more information. And if that person is giving different information than you are, then it's hurting your training and it's making your life more difficult. And again, wag of the finger who do, the person who doesn't want to be involved because you have to, you have to. You've taken on the responsibility of having a pet, of bringing a life into your home. And it's your job and your responsibility to not only give them food, shelter, and love, but also exercise and mental stimulation. That's what's going to create a happy and healthy dog. And look, I I can use a little guilt trip here. Do you really want your spouse? Do you really want your significant other, your parent, your your kid, whoever's your friend, whoever your roommate Do you want them to be struggling because you don't want to pull a little weight with dog training? I mean, come on, guys. Is it really that hard to work with five minutes and ask for a sit, a lie down, and work a little obedience training? Is it that hard to go outside for 10 minutes and do a little walking? It's not. It's not. So put forward that effort because it's going to make your dog happier, and it's going to make whoever in your household is already working with that dog, it's going to make them happier. So only good comes out of training and working with our dogs. You guys got to find a way to come together in your dog training. Come together right now, work together. Again, I want to say a very special thank you uh, to, to, to Regula out there. You are awesome. Thank you so much for listening. Continue listening. And hey, guys, keep spreading the good word of Speak A Dog The answer to today's trivia question, how far away can a wolf smell its prey? With a sense of smell about 100,000 times greater than that of humans, a wolf can smell its prey from up to one to two miles away. Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? We can help. At The Nature of Training, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Offering a wide variety of services, such as in-home training, doggy and puppy boot camps, doggy day camps, boarding, and now offering virtual training as well. For more information, check out our website, www.thenatureoftraining.com, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at David Paws. Located in beautiful Palm City, Florida, serving all of the Treasure Coast and North Palm Beach County. The Nature of Training, helping you achieve success with your pet. On speak a dogcast, it's trick and obedience training. Yes, on this segment today, we are gonna do a run through. I'm gonna run through a dozen commands with you guys, a dozen tricks and commands that are awesome to teach your dogs. I'm gonna teach you how to do each of them. We're gonna run through them pretty quick, but uh, but what we're gonna do is we're actually gonna have a continuation on this segment a little bit. Maybe I'll just talk about it in the intro, we'll see. But it's also gonna be continued over on my social media page. Check it out on Instagram, Speak a Dogcast, and what we're going to do is we're going to do this routine together. We're going to do all these commands together. Now, my puppy Riker, and although he's not a puppy anymore, he just turned one years old. Uh, but my little buddy, my little buddy Riker, he knows a few of these, uh, quite a few of these commands, but he doesn't know all of them. And he doesn't know it as a good routine yet. And so I'm actually going to take you on that journey with me on my Instagram. I'm going to be taking some videos of myself training uh, and working with with uh, Riker, and how all of these commands are going to come together, and we can use them all, you know, in one big hole. And so what I want you guys to do is to practice these commands at home. Take videos videos of yourself, and I want to see it. Tag me on there. Uh, let me see what's going on. I want you. I want to see you train your dog with me, and it's going to be awesome. We're going to do this whole thing together, and we'll revisit it uh, as we go, because this is going to take some time, right? So let's run through the commands. I'm going to list them first, and then we're going to go through them each individually. Now, we've talked about some of these before, right? My five core commands, we always have to start there with a sit, a stay, a lie down, a drop it, and a leave it. Those are my five core commands. I believe that's where it starts. Now, if we're going to keep going, though, we also have a spot or a place or a station command, as it sometimes is called. I just call it a spot. Go to your spot. Um, <laughs> but some you know, in training, it's also called station training. We'll talk more about that. Then a release word. Release word is definitely still training. It's still a command, uh, even though all it does is release our dogs. Then we have a paw. Give me paw. Everybody knows that. A turn command where we teach our dogs to do a turn on your side, where we teach them to come play dead, if you will. Then we teach them to straighten it up, and we'll talk about that. And on your feet, standing up. Some of these commands are just for fun. Some of them are very useful. And even some of the silly fun commands can actually be useful in some obedience training. Now, I don't love the word obedience. I really don't. I mean, I get it. It's obedience training. It's what we call it. It's what it is. I just don't, I don't know. I don't like that word. I don't know what it is about it and the connotation that comes with it, but it's almost like this. oh, my dog has to be obedient and listen. And to me, I want my dog to listen because we have a good relationship and I've conditioned and strengthened behaviors well enough, not because I want them to be this obedient dog. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's the part of it I don't like, but It is what it is, it's the word we use, trick and obedience, routine, training, that's what we're gonna do with these 12 commands. All right, so let's start, a sit. Most everybody knows how to teach their dog a sit, right? It's like the most basic one, but let's run through it really quick. I take a treat. Now guys, well, excuse me, before we get into this, goodness, I'm getting ahead of myself, before we get into training, what do we always have to do? Anybody who's listening to my show, you already know this, before we're gonna start training, we're gonna grab our leash, our collar, and our treats and our treat pouch, right? Have to have the correct tools to even do something as silly as trick training, or obedience training, a little less silly. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, we have to have our proper leash, our proper collar, and treats and treat pouch. Now, really quick, Martingale collar, guys, if you you listened before, that's where it is. Martingale collar, six foot nylon, regular old leash, and a good treat pouch, preference on a treat pouch. I like one that pops open and closes. Uh, I like one from a company called PetSafe. They have a great treat pouch that pops open, pops closed, keeps the treats safe and snug in there. Uh, When I don't need them, pops open easily when I do. That's my personal go-to. And then for treats, any meaty, soft treat. has to be soft, has to be meaty. I personally... Don't really, you know, whatever whatever your dog loves, right? That's what I'm all about, as long as it's soft, small, and meaty. Now, I personally like to look for treats that are made in the U.S., that aren't made in China. I wanna know what's going in them. I like to look for low-calorie treats, low-filler. Uh, you know, flip flip the package over, guys. Look at what's in the back. While we may not be nutritional experts on dog food, you can at least get a good idea of what you're feeding your dog. So don't wanna go down that road too much today, but suffice it to say, it does need to be a small meaty treat. I want to be able to give my dog a treat. They eat it. We're done with it. We're moving on to the next thing. Okay. All right. So now that we have that established, the sit, how do we get our dogs to sit? Well, we all know it. We take that treat and we sort of guide it above their nose. Now you can use a little collar, a little, take your leash, pull up just a little bit of tightness on the collar to kind of pull them back into a sitting motion while simultaneously bringing the treat above their head right? Once they pull back and they go into that sit motion, as they start sitting, you're going to say, good, good, good sit. And then feed them that treat the second the butt hits the ground. Good sit. Good. Okay. Now, personally, guys, I like to start, we're going to jump ahead here for a moment. I like to start training my release word right away. Okay. I really do. Uh, And what I mean by this is if you have, if you have not familiar with this, I want my dog to continue doing what I ask them until I release them. If I ask them for a sit, they should continue to sit until I release them. If I ask them for a stay, they should continue to stay until I release them. So on and so forth. Okay, But what most people inadvertently do is they train their dog that good boy, good girl, good dog means release, right? The dog sits, we go, oh, yay, good sit. We get all excited, the dog pops up and then we're done. So what we're actually teaching and conditioning to our dog is that good boy means we're done. And instead... Instead, I want good boy, good girl, good dog. I want it to mean, keep doing that. I want it to mean the same thing that a treat does. Keep doing that. Keep doing that. Keep doing that. Okay, so one more little side note there is make sure when you ask for a sit, you're going to say, good sit. And then I'm going to go, all right. And then give them a little tug for it on the leash so it pops them up and they know we're done. Then I'm going to ask for a sit again. Sit. Good sit all right, and then release them and we're done. Now you can make the release word okay, you can make the release word Timbuktu for all you want, (laughs) it doesn't matter, whatever you condition it as, but my personal release word is all right, okay? So that's how we do that sit, little pull up on the leash, little treat over the nose, they go into that sit motion, we say good, good sit, they immediately sit down, boom, treat right in the mouth, okay? Stay, now we could also be working a sit and a stay and a release. All at the same time, guys, I can be starting to teach three different commands at the same time. Now, don't make it too complicated. Uh, If you get that sit at first, just, hey, be thrilled with a sit and roll with it. Uh, But once we start getting the sit a few times, then it's gonna be good sit, and then it's gonna be stay. They don't move, good stay, treat, good stay. They continue to not move, good stay, and then, all right, and then pull them forward and release them. Now they start understanding a sit, a stay, and release awesome love it now i personally use a flat palm right like the stop sign we hold out the hand the flat palm for that stay so feel free to use whatever hand signal you want but that's what i like to use then we're going to have the lie down right now a lie down uh normally it's like a you know we, we point down with our fingers in a hand motion to point for a lie down but how do we get our dog to do it okay well i like to put him in a sit first good sit and then I'll take the treat, and we actually talked about this recently on the podcast a couple episodes ago. Uh, but for the lie down, we're going to drag that treat in front of their face and drag it down to the ground. In a motion to want to get their nose to move forward and lie down. Nothing wrong with putting a little bit of tension on the leash and pulling down a little bit to show them what you want. Don't start pushing them down from their head or their neck or anything like that, guys. You don't. Please don't do that. Um, just don't. It's not going to work it's not good for them. You could hurt them. Please don't do it. Uh, Simple as that. Use your leash very gently and guide them down and use the treat to entice them into that lie down motion. Same thing. Once they start going into the lie down motion, we're going to say, good lie down. Wait to give them the treat until they're all the way in a lie down. Dogs love to try to cheat there. So make sure you're only rewarding the behavior that you're looking for once they're completely in a lie down. Then I'm gonna incorporate that stay again, good stay, and then, all right, release them. Then we do it again, sit, good sit, pull them into a lie down, once they're in a lie down, good lie down, stay, and then release them. Now another side note here, guys, when we give our dog a treat, let them finish eating the treat before you give them the next direction. Okay, We don't want to go too fast. It's got to be at a good pace because dogs can think very quickly, but you don't want to go so fast that they're still concentrating on eating the treat and you're asking them for something else. Don't forget, dogs can only focus on one thing at a time. So it's very important that you have the understanding of where their focus is and understand if you can manipulate it at that moment or not. If they're still eating a treat you gave them, give them a second to finish it and then good stay and then release, okay? All right, so that's the lie down. Then we have a drop it. Now a drop it, I want you to go find their favorite toy. Go find their favorite toy and start playing with them a little bit, tug of war. And then the second you're ready to say drop it, you're gonna go drop it and you're gonna stop moving. You're gonna stiffen up and stay very still. Now your dog most likely will get bored after a second and then relinquish the toy and then you're gonna go, good, drop it, and give them a treat, okay? Maybe they'll keep tugging on it, that's fine, you're just gonna stay still and wait. Okay, give it at least five seconds before you say the next drop it. Don't be going, drop it, drop it, drop it, drop it. None of that, (laughs) okay? Uh, We're gonna do a drop it and then wait. (laughs) Very important. Now, I know I mentioned that uh, I'll be doing some of these videos with Riker, but I am probably going to do a few videos with maybe a dog that's in puppy boot camp or something like that, or boot camp in general, rather. But I do happen to have a puppy here, and she'll be great to 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 utilize this because she doesn't know these commands yet. She's new. Um, so we can actually, I can kind of show you the commands that Riker does know. Maybe I'll start showing you guys uh, a dog that doesn't know these commands and how I start working through them, okay? Um, anyway, so I drop it. That's all it takes, guys. You're going to play with them, and then when you're ready, you're going to say, drop it, stop playing, stiffen up, and wait for them to relinquish the toy. When they do, you're there with a treat and say, good, drop it. Okay, your dog will be relinquishing stuff real fast to you. (laughs) Okay, I promise you. Now, the leave it command, we can start with a treat. I like to just put the treat in my hand to start with, and again, we're leashed up, just a reminder, we are leashed up, so I've got the leash in one hand, I've got the treat in the other hand, and what I'll do is I'll create just a short enough leash... And I'll put my hand just far enough out in front of the dog that they can't get to the treat. And I'll say, leave it. And that way, when they go to reach for the treat, what's going to happen? They're going to run into the end of the leash and they're not going to be able to get to the treat. And I might pull back just a little bit and say, no, leave it. Okay. And then I'll say, good, leave it once they back off and leave it alone. Then they're probably going to try to go after the treat again. (laughs) So there I am with the collar again, little pull back, say, no, leave it. Okay. Okay. Then when they back off, I'm gonna say, good, leave it. Now, if they back off and they stay backing off for like two or three seconds, then I'll say, all right, and hand them the treat, okay? Make it really simple to start with. Don't make it too overcomplicated. Um, only make them wait two or three seconds. As long as they're backing off and not actively trying to steal the treat out of your hand, that's a leave it. We're, we're, we're getting there and start there and release them after two or three seconds of gaining that, you know, that initial leaving it alone, okay? Then we can start building it up to even longer, then I can start maybe moving the treat a little closer and continuing to say, leave it. Then we can even extend the process further, take the treat, drop it on the floor, say, leave it. Once again, having a short enough leash that they can't get to it and then releasing them. Okay. Uh, it's another great thing to work with toys or treats. We can start working a leave it and a drop it command. Okay. Then our next command is going to be the spot command or the place command or station. Now, look, oftentimes in animal training in general, not just dog training, but animal training, like if you go to a zoo, uh, they'll teach what they call station training. Okay. And we taught station training a lot with a lot of the exotic, especially like a dangerous exotic animal. Um, it's very good to teach a station. Uh, one place I used to volunteer at, we had a bear and, um, you know she was a rescued bear from a, from not necessarily the best situation this was a wonderful rescue that i that i volunteered with. and to make a long story short we taught the bear to go to their station so we could open the gate safely and put their food in right uh, and by by that bear knowing that it has to stay on the station until we release them, it gave them a reference point to get their food. It made it safer for all the keepers and everybody uh, to be able to work and and interact <laughs> in a passive way with the bear. That's safe for everybody. Okay, so station training is an important part of of generalized training. Station training is also used for veterinary care a lot of times, right, guys? Uh, if we have animals in a zoo that maybe we cannot safely f- do full contact, and it's only limited contact, uh, limited contact is through a cage or through an enclosure, uh, they'll teach an animal to come to a specific station so they can check them for, for veterinary issues or maybe give them vaccinations. And that way, they're, the animal's doing it voluntarily, and it makes them feel comfortable and safe and happy. Uh, so just a side note on station training, with pets, we can call it a mark, a spot, uh, state, whatever you want to call it. I like to call it a spot because Hey, it's fun, right? Spot like a dog. haha, <laughs> ha. Wolf. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so getting them to go on their spot. Once again, we guys were leashed up. I'm going to take them, guide them over using the leash, say, Hey, go spot. Once their feet, and oh, excuse me, I use a dog bed. <laughs> of course, <laughs> the spot is a dog bed, right? Now you can use a dog bed. You could use even a towel on the floor to start with a spot. You can use, uh, uh, I, I, I really like using the dog beds that are made for crates, right? Because they're not too thick and not too thin. It's easy for a dog to get on and off of it. It's thick enough that it's a reference point for them and a change in a feel in the flooring. Um, so just a little side of there. But anyway, you're gonna guide them over. Once their feet touch the dog bed, you're going to go, good spot. Now, the first time you do this, I don't care if they only get two feet on the dog bed. Feed them, guys, and say, good spot. Anything is a win the first time. Okay, and then we'll go, all right, let them off the dog bed, guide them away, say, good job. Wait a second, and then guide them back over again. Go spot. Guide them to the dog bed. We get at least two feet on. Yay, good, go spot. Give them a treat. Before you know it, the dog's going to be running over to get on that dog bed and go to their spot, okay? Now, station training is great Again, front door exercise, another great thing. Go back and listen to my episodes on the segments on the front door. We use the spot a lot. Spot is a spot a lot. There you go. Uh, Spot is a great way to teach your dog a reference point. All right. So let's keep going. We already talked about the release word. That was the next thing actually on my list there. Should have put it further up, but we've talked about the release word. Then we have paw. Give me paw. How fun is paw? It's the silliest best trick you can teach a dog, because everybody loves to ask for a dog for a paw, right? Um, So what you're going to do is you're going to reach in, reach under, and you're going to give your dog a light little tap on their paw. And I I put them in a sit. I like to put them in a sit, makes it easier for them. Um, Sit, stay. And then I start to give them a little tap and say, give me paw. Just kind of tap it with my fingers on the back. Give me paw. Give me paw. Okay. And then a lot of times, you know, if you tap their paw like that, they'll actually lift the paw up. And then when they lift the paw up, you're going to put it in your hand. I like to almost give a little squeeze on the paw and say, good paw, and give them a treat. Good paw, call, call, you know, I'm calling attention to that paw by giving it that little squeeze to, good boy, give them a treat, okay? Same thing, you're going to rinse and repeat that a few times with just a little tap on the back and kind of, you almost have to put their paw usually into your hand the first few times, Okay. Then slowly you're just going to start trying to tap on it, light, ever so lightly, even lighter than you were doing before. Giving, trying to get them, and entice them to give you that paw in their hand. Second the paw in your hand, good boy. and You're treating and rewarding it, guys. Okay. Now we can also take the paw a little further, and we'll we'll talk about this uh, down the road. But we can also teach them to do a wave. We'll talk about that later on. Uh, then we're going next. Next command is going to be a turn. Now a turn command is fun. It's just super fun, especially if you have a very excitable, happy dog. They'll just roll through the turns. They'll you know fling through them and it's awesome. They just look so happy when they do it. Uh, but it starts very slowly. It starts by just literally taking a treat, guys, putting it in front of your dog's face and guiding them around in a little half circle. Turn, good turn, and give them a treat. A little 180, right? 360, that's not a 180, David, that's 300, (laughs) all the way around, 360 degrees, so like, oh my goodness, so yeah, take the treat and guide them into that, don't give them the treat, well, you can start by guiding them like, you know, a quarter of the way through the turn, if they turn a little bit, reward it, then the next time if they turn about halfway through the turn, reward it, then three quarters of the way, reward it, okay, you can reward it little by little like that, I have found I try to wait until the fulls I get the full circle. If a dog's really in, you know, really into it, just get the full circle and feed him. Full circle, feed him. Full circle, it'll speed it up. But some dogs aren't as keen as to to go around that quickly, so you have to guide them through it. If I get even a half a turn, I'm gonna feed it and reward it. Right, um, and you're gonna say turn, turn. And then slowly, my treat will disappear and they'll start turning on their own and then I'll put a hand motion to it as well. Now, Riker does not know a turn, so we'll be teaching that one with him. Um, The next one, on your side, Riker doesn't know this one either, so we'll be teaching this, play dead, right? Uh, Put them in a lie down first, put them in the lie down position and then take the treat and what you're gonna do is you're going to put it right almost on like their cheek a little bit, like just above their cheek And then take the treat and guide it back so it's almost falling backward to the ground in order to entice their head to go to the ground, right? So take the treat, start right above their head, and then pull it backward so it entices them to fall to the ground. And then once they lie down on their side on the ground, give them the treat and say, good on your side, good on your side. And then slowly but surely, my treat's going to disappear and it will just turn into the hand motion of on your side. Again, guys, subscribe at Speak a Dogcast. I'll show you how to go through every single one of these uh, in detail. And as my, pro, you know, as I gain my progress, you'll get to see it. And I would love to see your progress with this as well. So send, you know, post those videos. I want to see it. Uh, then straighten it up. If the straighten it up command is when we are already in and on your side and they're flat on their side, I like to go little increments instead of just releasing them. No, let's 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 let's, let's see if we can't take this up a notch. Instead of releasing them, I'm going to say, straighten it up. And what your dog will do is straighten back to a lie down position. Yeah, like that. Okay. Now, again, just a treat. It's just going to be the opposite of what you just did with on your side. Instead of the treat going over their head, you're going to bring them up to the sit up position, right? And say, straighten it. Good treat. Straighten it. Good treat. Okay. And then the last one on the list, on your feet. So what I like to do is go to a lie down to an on your side, to a straighten it, to an on your feet, which means standing straight up, right? Not a sit position, but standing straight on all fours. Now, I like to teach the on your your feet command by starting with a lie down. I have them leashed up, of course, because we've always had them leashed up this whole time. (laughs) Okay, and then what I do is from that lie down position, I actually will pull them forward a little bit using the leash, pull them forward, and say, on your feet, and pull them up, and then reward it the second they get on all fours, okay? Put them back in the lie down, give them just a little tug forward on that leash, just a little bit, we're not talking a correction, we're talking an encouragement, guys, okay? Encouragement, get them up on on your feet, good boy, and feed it, it's pretty simplistic, that one, okay? But what I love, guys, is we can take all of these commands and we can create a really cool routine out of it, and a little bit of obedience training. These are This is a dozen commands, this is 12 different commands, that's a great way, great way to start interacting in a good way with your dog, giving your dog something to do, keeping them mentally stimulated. And I got news for you. Single, single people out there, this is a great way to go pick up somebody. <laughs> go out to a bar, a dog-friendly bar, and start running through this routine. You'll get you'll get a number before the night's over, I promise. Uh, <laughs> Oh my gosh, Uh, but it's a lot of fun and it's a great way to enhance the relationship with your dog. So guys, this is gonna be an awesome journey. Like I said, we're we're gonna come back and review this. We're gonna talk about all these commands. I'm gonna go through them on my social media one more time at Speak a cast on Instagram. Check it out, guys. That's where I'll be posting some videos of this, and you'll get to see me uh, not only working with Riker, but maybe some other dogs in the mix that come in too. We're gonna work through every single one of these commands. We're gonna create a great routine, and I wanna see you guys do the same. So send me those videos, tag me on Instagram, let me see you working with your dog, and uh, hey, we're gonna have a lot of fun doing some trick and obedience training. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's our Breed of the Week. This week's Breed of the Week is the Finnish Spitz. The Finnish Spitz is a member of the non-sporting group, with males coming in from 25 to 33 pounds, and females at 20 to 28 pounds. Now in Finland, they are the most popular dog breed and the national dog breed, and they're known over there as the Korva. Hopefully I pronounced that right. Luckily for those of us that speak English, of course, that's the Finnish Spitz. Now, they are bred to be a lively but friendly dog, and the Finnish Spitz is an ancient hunting breed that is still used for hunting today. A small but fearless dog, they were developed to hunt in a unique way of tracking that earned them the nickname Barking Bird Dog. They make a great watchdog, only becoming aggressive when necessary. They become attached and form deep bonds with their family and are wonderful companions for kids as well. They are quite a vocal breed though, so having a lot of space or teaching them to stop barking on command is definitely necessary. This breed was bred to hunt all day, so a long daily walk is a must and they also need other stimulation as well. They're a very intelligent breed and are probably not the best dog for the first time dog owner. Now, thanks to responsible breeding, the Finnish Spitz is a relatively healthy dog. Kept in good health, they can live to be 13 to 15 years old. Like many ancient dog breeds, the origin of the Finnish Spitz is unknown but it is assumed that Russian migrants brought their spitz-type dogs with them when they arrived in what is now Finland some 3,000 years ago. For centuries, the dogs were all-purpose hunters, but over time, they were developed and specialized into hunting game birds. Breeders developed a unique way of hunting, where the dogs would use their noses to locate treed birds. Then, they would use a slow, tail-wagging movements to mesmerize and distract the birds. Now, the dogs also let out a distinct yodeling or rapid barking. Now, the tail movements also allowed the hunters to spot the dogs through the thick forest and brush. Now, the Finnish Spitz remained an isolated breed until the 1800s. When roads and transportation improved to the area, the people that came in also brought their dogs. Now, this led to a lot of interbreeding, and then the Finnish Spitz almost became extinct. However, two men from Helsinki, Hugo Sandberg and Hugo Roos, saw these dogs in action on a hunting trip and became determined to save the breed. Sandberg wrote an article for the 1890 edition of the Sporting Magazine about the dogs that he had seen in action. His description was so detailed and so complete that the breed standard was based on the article when they were accepted into the Finnish Kennel Club in 1892. Now England received its first import of the dog in the 1920s and they arrived in America around the 1960s. The Finnish Spitz Club of America was founded in 1975 and they began competing in the non-sporting group in 1988. Next on Speak A Dogcast, it's our listener Q&A. First question today comes from Sydney from Reno, Nevada. Sydney says, I have an eight-month-old, half German Shepherd, half Pitbull, and I've had him since he was eight weeks old. He's never had a bad experience with a person, and I've used positive reinforcement since day one, always training him. He is extremely dog-friendly. However, he is nervous around new people and will bark at them. He has a big bark and can scare people off. Now I live in a busy city and we walk around the neighborhood where there's lots of people that he sees. I bring him around to see people all the time, dogs constantly, and he's never had a bad experience with people, so I don't understand why he barks at them. What can I do to help him feel more comfortable? Thank you in advance. And Mac and I love your dog cast. <laughs> hey, thanks, Sydney. I really appreciate that. And glad you guys are enjoying the podcast so far. Uh, yeah, you know, this is this is a it could be a tough one. I mean, look, dogs, puppies, puppies are strange like this sometimes. They sometimes will develop a behavior that doesn't make any sense on the surface, right? You know, you, clearly you've been you've been socializing your dog, you've had him around, but for whatever reason. For whatever reason, there was probably one experience that sent him into this. Um, you know, these things are strange. It could be the way that somebody over-engaged him, believe it or not. If somebody tries to reason with him too much, and it's okay, and reaching the hand out and over, and that can actually do it right there. Somebody over-engaging your puppy, and it could have been something from the first few weeks of his life, for whatever reason, made him timid in a moment, and then it just got reinforced and strengthened. By, by you know, by no fault of your own. Um, unfortunately, most people don't realize that by trying to reason with a dog that's barking at you or growling, especially a young puppy who doesn't really know any better, they're actually inadvertently making it worse. And that's probably what's happened in your scenario considering you've had them around so many people, Uh, you you live in a city, there's a lot of people, and that's what most people try to do because with a little kid, we can reason with them. Kids can understand that. Dogs cannot understand that. Um, So I will say that's probably where this started somewhere along the way that somebody over engaged your puppy in an attempt to make them comfortable and ended up making them more uncomfortable. And then it just got exacerbated. So uh, the important thing we want to note, the first thing I want to tell you is make sure you're not reinforcing the anxiety. Okay. So if your dog does start getting barky, the worst thing you can do is say, Hey, it's okay. No, don't worry. Don't start using tones like, like that, that sound all happy and almost like reinforcement because then your dog's going to think, Oh, I should keep being nervous. You're you're reinforcing me. Keep right. So make sure if your dog is in that state of mind that you're not going good boy or it's okay or petting him or anything like that. Okay. Dogs are very much state of mind and we don't want to reinforce Anxious or nervous states of mind. Okay, um, so what I would do is try to redirect it. Um, you know, he, he, here's here's actually the exercise I want to give you, Sydney. This is what I want you to do um, when you're out and about. And moreover, I tell you, if you can find if you can find a friend. That you'll know he barks at. <laughs> you know, not that I want you to, not that I want him to bark at a friend. But the point is, if you can find somebody you know to work with you on this, it'll make it a little, a little easier. And what I want you to do is, I want you to take him on leash outside of your house. Okay, um, uh, start to approach the person. The second he looks like he's getting nervous or he's about to bark or anything like that, I want you to immediately do a one eighty turn and walk the other direction okay, try to redirect his focus toward you. If he kind of focuses in on you, his ears go up, he calms down a little bit, that we can reinforce and say, hey, good boy, give him a treat. Now, if he stays relaxed, we turn around, we try to walk back toward the person, okay? If he starts, you see those same behaviors start bubbling up again, you're gonna turn and walk away and redirect that behavior. Once he calms down, once you can redirect focus, you're gonna reward that focus, okay? And what we're trying to show your dog is that the more you go toward this person and bark, the more we walk away from them because what that what your dog is really trying to accomplish is to get them to go away cuz he's nervous of them so we're going to give him the opposite they're not going anywhere buddy instead we're going to turn and go away okay it could be a little bit of a process. That's the first exercise I want you to try, Sydney. It could be a little bit of a process, but then eventually what we wanna do is we wanna get the, uh, the person to be giving your dog a treat. So that way we can start associating the food with the person as opposed to the barking with the person, right? Now, one other big note I wanna give you right here is, and I know this is tough, but if you can, tell the person he's barking at to ignore him and this is why I want you to start with a friend because like you said, he's got a big bark, it can be scary, I know this can be a little tough. Um, So ignore him, no eye contact, no paying attention to him because like I said, that over-engaging, that eye contact, that might be actually making him more nervous. And so if we take that away, that over-engagement, it might actually make him feel more comfortable. Now it's going to be a process. Don't be discouraged if he growls a little bit the first, you know, he, or rather, excuse me, barks. If he goes through his own normal MO the first week or two you're practicing this, don't be surprised if it takes a little while. Okay. Don't be discouraged, but look for small amounts of progress. If he only barks once, if he only maybe let out a little grumble as opposed to a bark. Those are the wins we're looking for. Then once he starts relaxing more in front of that strange person, you know what relaxation looks like in your puppy, you know what the barking looks like in your puppy. So when you see that relaxation, start reinforcing it, okay? But the biggest things I want you to do is that little turn exercise and trying to redirect when he does look like he's about to bark or is barking. Okay. We wanna make sure we're not reinforcing any anxious behavior, don't reason with him, Okay, Uh, look, there's nothing wrong with even just give him a little tap and say, hey, cut that out when he's barking. Don't make a big deal about it. Nothing crazy because you don't want to make it worse. Okay, but we want to redirect that state of mind. So don't don't reinforce that. And then again, ideally, ideally, if you can tell the person, hey, just ignore my puppy. We're working on some training right now. Or even better, hey, person, stranger, do you have five minutes to help me work with my puppy? Do me a favor. Just stand there and pretend like he doesn't exist. We're just trying to get him to stop barking. Okay, we're just working through it that might, that's going to go a long way too. Okay. So think about those kind of things. I know it was kind of like a long, long winded thing there, but I wanted to give you as much information in a little, little amount as I could, but Hey, if you need any more help, let me know. Next question. This comes from Frank from Ridgefield, Connecticut. Frank says, I have an eight month old yellow lab who is a sweet dog. Now we've had her since she was a young puppy and we've been working on training since day one. She's great with people dogs, walks well on leash, no possessive issues, crates well, no anxiety. I really cannot say enough good things about her. Well, Frank, what's this about? No, I'm kidding. Except one issue. (laughs) Except one issue, Frank says. He says, I cannot for the life of me figure out how to get her to stop licking people when she greets them. She's obsessed with it. It really only happens on the initial hello, but it is obsessive and we need to stop it. What should I do? Good question, Frank. Uh, yeah, you know, especially those mouthy breeds, I tend they they tend to be the more licky breeds, obviously enough. So you got a yellow lab puppy. Uh, hey, it's awesome that you've been training and working with her. I love to hear that you guys are doing great. That's phenomenal. Uh, Licking is one of those things, you know. It, if it gets reinforced from a young age the dogs just tend to roll with it, you know? They just, they just keep doing it. And part of it is, of course, it's a natural thing for a dog to go up and lick, to get scent, to get smells, to get taste, uh, to become familiar with you. But if it gets reinforced too much, you get, yeah, like you said, it becomes obsessive because it is an instinctual, natural thing for a dog to do. And then we just compound the hell out of it, you know? Um, so what can you do? Well, you know, a couple things that I'm noting from your question here, uh, it happens on the initial hello, that makes it actually easier. If this isn't a constant all the time thing, we can actually get this under control relatively quickly. Frank, what you're gonna do is you need to leash up your dog. Anytime somebody comes over, you are not gonna open or answer that door until your dog is leashed up and until you have a treat pouch on. Those are the two things you absolutely must have in this scenario, okay? Then, uh, it... Go back and listen. Uh, I've got great segments on the front door. There's two segments, awesome segments that I do on the front door exercise. Definitely go check those out. It runs through how to do greetings properly at the front door. So we're going to kind of skip over that right now because uh, you can get all that great information there. Um, but suffice to say, you're going to leash them up. Okay. You're going to leash up your puppy and you're going to let her walk up and start to greet a person for literally a split second. And then you're going to turn and walk away and give her a treat. You heard me right. She's only going to say, sniff that person for a split second until you take that leash and make her turn and walk away from the person and give her a treat. You're going to rinse and repeat that exact thing about four or five times. Before you know it, your dog is going to walk up to the person and without you even needing to redirect her, she's going to be walking away and sitting down and looking for her treat. And what we're doing is we're not ever allowing that hello to accelerate to the point of the obsessive lickiness and we're creating a new pattern If I walk up, I walked up to the person, I say hi, and I turn and walk away. Once you rinse and repeat that a few times with the quick split second hello, then we increase it to a one to two second hello, a five second hello, a 10 second hello, and if she ever at any point starts looking obsessively, you're gonna immediately turn and walk away again. Hit the reset button, right? Redirect her, calm her down, then try it again. Okay, that's the nice thing. So what we're gonna say very simply to your dog is, if you remain calm and relaxed, boy, here's some dog snoring in the background on here. I don't know if you guys can hear that. <laughs> it's always a side effect of this podcast is you might hear dog snoring in the background. Um, <laughs> anyway, what we're trying to teach your dog, what we're trying to teach your sweet yellow lab is that every time you stay relaxed, you keep getting pet and keep getting to hang out with this person. Every time you look obsessively, we walk away and it stops. <laughs> the snoring. Uh, you know, so your dog's gonna figure out really fast boy, if I keep licking obsessively, I don't get any attention or any treats. But if I stay calm and relaxed, I get food and affection. And they'll stop licking. Again, this could take a week or two to unpattern this because it's a very excited behavior that your dog has created. But if you stick with some consistency, leash them up with treat pouch on every time somebody comes over, even if it's, if it's, if it's somebody coming home, Frank, if it's your wife coming home, a kid coming home, uh, somebody coming in the house, doesn't matter. Dog needs to be leashed up and create control to head off that obsessive licking. Really that's all there is to it, As long, especially because you gotta yell, you know, it's a puppy. Uh, stick with it and you'll get this under control in no time. <laughs> That's going to wrap up the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in. Hey, if you haven't clicked that five-star review and you love what you're hearing, go ahead and do so right now. Follow me on Instagram at speakadogcast. Join me next week for my guest spot, Brett Simon from the Big Dog Ranch Rescue. He'll be talking to us about their veteran dog training program. Have a wonderful week. And don't forget, get out there and walk your dog.